I love Christmas because it's for kids and big kids, right? I love Christmas. Well, listen, hello, everyone. Thank you for being a part of City First Christmas. Jen and I wanted to take a moment and wish every single one of you a very Merry Christmas. And I pray that this season is filled with God's love and God's joy and God's hope. Now, around the holidays, I've discovered there are two types of people, all right? Two types of people. First of all, there are huggers, all right? right? And then there are non-huggers. And I just uh, am wondering how many of you would say that you're unashamedly, you're like Olaf, you're a hugger. You're just like, you can't wait to hug people, all right? And then how many of you are like, you know what? A handshake is just fine. Beyond that, all right? I remember I was at a church many, many years ago, a couple decades ago down in the South, and, and, and in between like worship and the message, the pastor got up and he goes, hey, listen, why don't you take a moment and hug five people? I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. No, 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 no. We're not going to make you do that here at City First, all right? But you know what? It reminds me of a story, a story of a young mom and dad who decided to take their toddler named Eric to a restaurant And they were going to have a nice dinner together. And once they were seated, all of a sudden, Eric, in his little booster seat, started waving at someone across the room and started, like, making faces and giggling. And, you know, the mom turns around to see who it is that that Eric is communicating with. And she saw it was this man. And this man um, had a tattered jacket on. And it was dirty. And it was worn and had holes in the elbows. And his pants were, like, very baggy. And, in fact, on one of his shoes, his toes poked out. And his shirt was dirty. And his hair was, like, uncombed and unkept, and obviously he was homeless or he had fallen on hard times, and he was sitting at a booth right next to the entrance just having a cup of coffee, but interacting with little Eric. And, and as Eric would wave at him, he'd wave back, and then across the restaurant, he would say, hey there, big boy, I see you. Hey, buddy, I see you. And Eric would laugh and laugh. And Eric's mom turns around and looks at her husband, and they just stare at each other, and they're thinking, oh, no, oh, no, 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 what what do we do here? A moment later, all of a sudden, they look at Eric, and Eric is playing peekaboo with the guy across the restaurant. And and the whole restaurant sees what's going on, but quite honestly, um, not many people in the restaurant thought it was very cute. In fact, Eric's mom and dad were a little bit embarrassed by the whole thing, and, and, and quickly the food came, and they just didn't really talk. They just ate, and they tried to get Eric to eat, but Eric wasn't eating. He was waving. He was giggling. He was yelling, and the man was interacting with him across this restaurant. And finally, when their food was all done and the dinner was done, uh, the dad looked at the mom and said, hey, listen, I'm going to go pay the bill. Um, why don't you gather all the stuff here, grab Eric, and, and let's just get out to the car. And so Eric's dad did that, went out to get to the car, and Eric's mom is getting all the bags and everything like that and picks up Eric out of the booster seat and starts heading out the door. But the problem was this, is that the man was seated at a booth right by the entrance. And so as she is taking little Eric and all the bags and everything out the door, Eric flings himself out of his mother's arms and into the arms of this homeless man. And Eric takes and gives him the biggest hug and the biggest embrace. And Eric's mom was horrified. She didn't know what to do. She just froze. But then she noticed in this man's eyes, tears began to well up. 
And the man stood up to his feet and handed Eric back to his mom and said, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for giving me the best Christmas gift I could ever receive. Because what you don't understand is that many, many years ago, I had a son also, but he tragically passed away. And after he passed away, I started hitting the bottle a little bit too hard, and pretty soon it got out of control, and here I am today. I miss my son so much. Thank you for giving me this Christmas gift. And the mom began to well up in her eyes all of the tears and began to cry, and she said thank you and walked out the door, and she got into the car, and she began to, to bawl uncontrollably. And Eric's dad looked at her and said, what, what happened? And she just said this. She goes, you know what? I need God to forgive me because I don't see people the way he sees them. And at that moment, at that moment, there was this child who was willing to embrace and hug someone that many people in our society would say would not be huggable. But can I tell you something? 2,000 years ago, God sent a child by the name of Jesus. It was his son. He sent himself. And a child embraced our world and gave our world a big hug, even though we are sinful and broken and flawed and dirty and probably not worthy of a hug because of all the wrong choices we made. Our God didn't care. Instead, he embraced us. Thank goodness that God embraces us better than we times embrace each other, right? You know, we're full of pride and, you know, I know about you, but wrong choices, I've made plenty of them. Um, we've lied, we've cheated, we've been selfish. Uh, we, we made poor decisions. I've made poor decisions. We try to run from God. We've tried to blow off God. And yet, and yet, Jesus fully embraces us. You know, Christmas is the time, really, when God's embrace is recognized the strongest. Now, it's there 364 other days out of the year, but we many times realize that here is a God that loved us so much that he wanted to embrace us even in the midst of our disheveled state. Christmas really is God's embrace. If you think about it, Christmas is God's embrace. God did not allow distance. He did not allow distance to keep him from relationship. Do you hear that? 55 years ago, on Christmas Eve in 1968, there was a group of astronauts that were orbiting the moon. Jim Lovell, Bill Anders, and Frank Borman. They took this picture right here from Apollo 8. They took a picture from the moon's orbit to the earth. And they did something that seems almost absolutely impossible in today's culture. You know what they did on a live broadcast to not only the whole United States, but literally everyone who is tuning in from around the world, they read the creation story from the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter one in the Bible. Can you believe that? In fact, this is what they said. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth as they orbited 238,000 miles above the surface of the earth. And they had a perspective that few humans will ever have. 
And that was the perspective of how big our universe is and how small our world is. You know what? The vastness, vastness of space and the smallness of earth. Do you know that God is so much bigger than what we can imagine? You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says that he created all of the universe, everything in it that is good. He created it all. In fact, he spoke it into existence. In fact, God is so big that he can hold the Milky Way in his hand. But yet, yet, hear this, hear this, yet he also cares about you. You hear that? So big, but yet he cares about, he knows your story. He knows what you like and don't like. He knows whether you like to hug or not. He created you probably that way. You know what? He, he knows about your fears. He knows about your joys. He knows about your dreams. He knows about your pains. He knows about everything you've ever done. He's a big God that holds the whole world in his hands, and yet he knows the number of hairs on your head, the Bible says. You know what? If God didn't create us, like if we're just a, a, a product of the Big Bang, if, if God didn't create us, then there's no, no such thing as purpose. Think about that. There's no such thing as purpose. In fact, here's interesting. If we just came from a spark that resulted in the Big Bang, and now billions of years later, we are here, then why do we have, most of us in the room would acknowledge, why do we have this internal drive for purpose, meaning, and significance. Where would that come from? Because that doesn't come from pond scum that all of a sudden got energized. Where does this idea of meaning and purpose come from? We have been created by a God to have purpose and meaning and significance in this life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and guess what? He created you. Now, you might, be, uh, you might say, well, my family of origin didn't know I was coming. Or maybe you say, I don't even know who my parents are. Well, listen, there are mistaken parents, but there are no mistaken kids. Do you understand that? So yeah, maybe parents went, whoa. But guess what? God didn't go, whoa. He went, I created you on purpose and for a purpose. So in other words, you're created for a relationship with God, the God that's bigger than the Milky Way, the God that is so huge wants a relationship with you. But here's the problem. Houston, we got a problem. You know what it is? It says in the scriptures, it says, but unfortunately wrong things that you and I have done have made us separate from our God. In other words, we are imperfect. God is supremely perfect imperfection and perfection don't go together. And so unfortunately, because we've made a decision many times to blow off God and do our own things, we've created separation. But God didn't leave us in a separated state. Christmas is all about God saying, I'm not gonna allow distance to stay between me and relationship, and I'm gonna send my son Jesus, who would later on grow up and die on a cross for my sin and for yours. In other words, God didn't stay 238,000 miles away, you could say. Instead, he wants a relationship with us, and Christmas is all about relationship. And through relationship, we find purpose 
and we find meaning and we find significance even in this hopelessly broken world. The Bible says that at night, at night Jesus was born and the angels announced it this way. They said, glory to God in highest heaven. And what are those three words? Peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. So here's my question with that verse. Where's the peace? I mean, 2023 has not been a peaceful year for our world. Um, it may not have been even peaceful in your world. 109 years ago, on December 24th, 1914, right in the middle of World War I, as Britain and France were fighting the Germans, um, in the middle of that, on December 24th, they decided, both parties, both you know, sides decided that they were going to call a truce in, in remembrance and celebration of Christmas. It's called the Christmas Truce. You could look it up online. It's interesting. Both decided, these enemies, to come out of their trenches and they met in what was called no man's land. That was where the place where no one would go because they would be shot. They all came together and they started to sing carols together. Now, obviously, they didn't speak the same language, but they knew Latin and they started to sing like Silent Night in Latin. These two enemies. And then they even exchanged gifts. And history recounts that they even helped bury each other's dead. They even exchanged pr like prisoners. They played soccer together. Kind of a crazy moment. After Christmas was done on December 26, they both crawled back into their trenches and started to shoot at each other again. You know what? Peace on this earth is temporary. I, that story to me, kind of is a good picture of peace on this earth. In fact, there's been over 13,000 wars in the last 3,000 recorded years of history. 13,000, peace on earth. You know, you, you look at the world and even in our personal life, many times we can't find peace. Peace is really fragile. Peace seems to be somewhat unstable. And yet the angels came 2,000 years ago and said, peace on earth. Well, where in the world is the peace? Maybe here's the better question. What is peace? What is lasting peace? What is real peace? The Bible states that peace is not a place, even though I know you want to go to Maui, it's not a place. Peace is also not a state of being. Like peace is not like, oh, I'm just going to concentrate hard enough and I'll find peace. I'll just kind of focus everything out and I'll find peace, right? That's not lasting peace, that's temporary peace, kind of like that truce that day. But you know, the Bible says is lasting peace. It's not a place and it's not a state of being, it's a person. In fact, it says in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, Old Testament prophecy, it's really a Christmas verse, this is what it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. What are those three words? Prince of what? Peace. In other words, one of the names given to Jesus is peace. Peace is not a state of mind. Peace is not a location. Peace is a person. In other words, Jesus himself is peace. You can be 
in a very unpeaceful circumstance and still find peace because Jesus is with you. So the angels were not announcing that all of a sudden 2,000 years ago from that point on there would be peace on earth. That's not what they were saying. They were saying peace had come to those with whom God is pleased. In other words, they found relationship with him and they now have Jesus in a relationship with them as a leader, Bible calls it Lord, as a savior, as a forgiver. See, when there's that relationship there, then there's peace. Do you need peace in 2023? There's only a few days left in this year, right? Do you need peace? Has it been a crazy year? You've been full of stress, been fighting things, sickness, maybe you've been fighting relational issues, maybe career issues, maybe financial issues, maybe mental health issues. What have you been fighting? Do you need peace? Well, there's really, there's two types of peace, two kinds of peace. The first kind is this, peace with God. That means that you found forgiveness, that, that you know what, you understand that Christmas is more than just a nice little story and it's not just, you know, like some fairy tale or something like that, but really God sent himself to eventually grow up and die and then come to life again. That's called Easter. We celebrate that. And because of him dying on a cross, it pays the penalty for all our wrong because I'll tell you, I don't have enough good works. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough nothing to be able to pay off the debt of all my bad works. So therefore, Jesus paid it for me. Jesus paid it all. So peace with God. And then the second type of peace is this, peace of God. Peace of God. Here's what's interesting. Once you have peace with God, then you can experience the peace of God. Do you need peace? Jesus said this, could almost be looked at as the best Christmas gift ever. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, peace in our minds, peace in our hearts. We can sleep at night. We don't have to carry guilt. We're not carrying this burden of all of the stuff that's going, oh yeah, we're gonna go through bad times. There's gonna be times that we feel like life is heavy, but then he gives us strength. He gives us peace of mind and heart. And he says, this peace I give is a gift. And guess what he says? The world cannot give it. In other words, there's nothing. Money, success, reputation, accomplishment, drugs, addictions, whatever, cannot give you the kind of peace that Jesus gives. So don't be troubled or afraid, he says. Don't be troubled or afraid. You know, the gift that is the best Christmas gift that we could receive is Jesus and then the peace that he brings. So in closing, the Christmas story says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger 
because there was no guest room available for them. You know, unfortunately, this life-changing event for a lot of people has just become religion. It's just become religion. But Jesus did not come to give us a religion. He came for relationship. God sent him for relationship, not for religion. Religion is man-made do's and don'ts. That's not what he came for. He came so that we could have a relationship with the one that created us. You know, in fact, Jesus' name for Jesus is Emmanuel. It means this, God with us. God with us. I don't know if you've ever felt God before, and even if you haven't, I want you to know God is with you. You might say, yeah, but I, I've been through hell. I've been through all kinds of trouble. I've been through all this. Where was he? Listen, he was with you. I'm not saying he created it. I'm not saying that he liked what you were going through, but he was with you. The question is, are you with him? See, Christmas means that in good and bad times, we know Jesus is with us. In the hurt, we're not alone. Emmanuel, he's with us. In the divorce that took place this year, we were not alone and we're not alone now. Jesus is with us. In the confusion, in the stress, even in great loss, we're not alone. Jesus is with you. You don't have to try to do this life on your own. City First Church for 16 years. It was a nice, sunny, beautiful day. August 16th of 2015, my daughter called me. You know, they were out at, at the lake, and she said, uh, we can't find Jordan. I was like, well, what do you mean you can't find Jordan? It's a lake. <laughs> He's around there somewhere. He's on the beach and so forth. To say the least, disbelief. Like it was, it was like it's. I won't even say it was a nightmare. It was, it was more like an out of body experience. This is not happening. I was in denial. It was um, someone else's story, not mine. There was some days that I could only utter one or two words to Christ. There was some days that I would have hour-long powwow sessions with him. But during that time, 
my uh, oldest twin, Kobe, every Sunday, he would say, Mom, we need to get up and we need to go to church. Oh, no, no ways you say, pull me out of the grave, Jesus, you have always been for As a mom who now has a son in heaven, you pray. And while I recognize that I'm going to be on this journey for the remainder of my life, the purpose that he has provided me and to have the support of City First Church is what's helped me to navigate this journey, the highs and the lows because of the journey that I'm on and my story, that that has helped others to draw closer to Christ. And there's a, a favorite scripture of mine, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And when you think about that particular scripture, in order to walk through a valley of the shadow of death, when you see a shadow, that means there's light. And God has been my light. Oh, on this there's journey. never a season, never a place where I am alone and you don't show your face. Right here I remember, how could I forget your faithfulness has never left me There's never a season, never a place where I am alone and you don't show your face Right here I remember, how could I forget your message of Christmas is simply that you're not alone. You don't have to do life alone. You don't have to navigate the hurts and pains and challenges of this life alone. But rather, God sent his son, Jesus, to be able to come alongside of us and not just save us, not just forgive us, but also be with us. He really is 
Emmanuel. And today, I'd like to invite those that maybe say, I've never heard this before, or maybe I have heard it before, but I've never made a decision to allow Jesus to be the leader. Bible word for that is Lord, the leader and the forgiver of my life. In other words, I've never asked God to forgive me of my sin. I've never made Jesus the leader of my life, but, but I want this peace and, and I want forgiveness and I don't wanna do life alone. It doesn't matter how successful you are. We all need a relationship with our creator. It doesn't matter if you've had a good year or a bad year. We all need a relationship with the one who loves us, that was willing to come to earth and give us an embrace of forgiveness and unconditional love. Now, some of you might've grown up in church before, and I just wanna say this. Some churches may have told you, you have to earn your way into right standing with God. In other words, you gotta earn God's love. That is not true. Do you know he loves you right now just the way that you are? It is okay to not be okay, but God doesn't want you to stay not okay. He wants a relationship with you and to forgive you and to journey with you through life's ups and downs. And someday, someday on the other side of this life, he says that we can spend the rest of eternity with him. You know, Christmas is amazing because Christmas means we're not alone. So if you would like to pray a simple prayer, this prayer does not make you a member of this church. It has nothing to do with what denomination you are or aren't or what you grew up in. Instead, this prayer is very simply saying, God, I wanna ask for forgiveness for all that I've done wrong. Come into my heart. I want to have you as the leader of my life. And I want you to be with me in this life and in the next. It's that simple. Now, we're gonna pray this prayer and I wanna remind you of something. Remember the God that holds the universe in his hand? The big God? He knows your voice. So as we pray this prayer, I want you to know he's listening to you specifically. Even you right now, if you're watching online, if you're watching at Cape Coral, at Janesville, City First Anywhere, or right here in good old Rockford, Illinois. He's listening to you and your voice and he loves you unconditionally. He loves you just the way that you are. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would just do me a favor, cause this is a holy moment. If you would say with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna pray that prayer. I wanna make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life today. I choose Jesus. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand and put it right back down. Yeah, hands are up all over this auditorium. I guarantee you in living rooms, in other auditoriums, just put it up and right, right down. God sees your hand. I can't even see it because of how bright the lights are, but I will tell you, God sees your hand. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, can we just all say this prayer together, whether we raised our hand or we didn't. And as we say it, you need to know God is listening to your voice. So repeat this prayer after me, all right? Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I believe 
You died for me. I want to live for you. Thank you for your unconditional love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you guys put your hands together for all those that prayed that prayer? Let me, let me tell you what just took place. When you prayed that prayer, God heard you, and your sin record is now erased. The Bible says that your sin has been forgotten. Everything you've ever done, even that one thing you never told anybody, it's all been forgiven. And now you have Jesus that you can pray to, that you can call on for strength, that you can ask for help, and he is there with you. So one more time, let's give everybody that prayed that prayer just a round of applause.